we're pleased to bring you our feature presentation. Hello out there in Radioland and welcome to a special miniature episode of One Track Mind that I'm creatively calling OTM Mini. I am Ryan Luis Rodriguez, your wonky yet affable host. Last time on OTM Mini, we started a massive Q&A, and this time, we're finishing it. Never let it be said that I'm not goal-oriented. First up, quote, What are the best TV shows based on movies and vice versa? Unquote. Good question. When I first pondered this query, I could think of maybe two titles. Then, the more I thought about it, the floodgates were just suddenly opened. In terms of show to movie, it would be obvious for anyone who has listened to this podcast when it used to be The Coolness Chronicles, but the top, the Mona Lisa, has to be Michael Mann's Miami Vice. Talk about a series that I have absolutely no use for, and a motion picture that presents such vibes that I'll probably rewatch it every couple of years, and it pushes digital photography to the bleeding edge in ways that George Lucas could never dream of. It's just this collection of vibes that is completely irresistible, and I couldn't even tell you what it's about, even though Michael Mann spends the entire audio commentary doing just that, as if he knows how convoluted the whole affair is, but I know I dig it. There's also The Fugitive, uh, a show that I really have esteem for, and a movie that I wanted to watch for decades, uh, not being allowed to see it when it came out because it was PG-13 and I was 8, and my parents were fascist when it came to MPAA ratings. And when I finally did, I was surprised how genuinely exciting it was. The conversation seems to be centered mainly on Tommy Lee Jones' performance, justifiably so, so much that he got his own sequel, but the way that Andrew Davis shoots action is so dynamic, and he fully understands spatial geography within the frame. Uh, I really remember uh, loving Lord and Miller's Jump Street movies, although I haven't seen them in a few years, and my affection may have dimmed somewhat. Of course, there's The Addams Family, uh, two films that made me feel seen as the product of two races and a genuine weirdo but I've spent a considerable amount of time fawning over them, so I'm not going to go much deeper into that. I believe it's uh, when I discuss Season 9 of MST3K, I get into those, so if you're interested in that, go back and listen to The Coolness Chronicles. It's on the same feed. And in terms of movies into television, I'm saving one for later. So I'll say, Jackass managed to make not one, not two, not three, but four great movies. Narrative be damned one of which was actually in 3D, and I still can't wrap my head around how that happened. Uh, Noah Hawley's Fargo anthology more than lives up to the Coen Brothers film, and without it, we don't get Legion, which I adore. And lastly, uh, two series by Jason Kadams, uh, Friday Night Lights and Parenthood, some of my favorite soap operas of the 21st century. Next up, quote... What are your favorite genre films, unquote? Well, I have a few. Uh, Jack Arnold's The Incredible Shrinking Man is my personal favorite science fiction film. John Carpenter's Halloween, a movie that terrified me so what, uh, so much when I watched it at the tender age of 16 
that I literally, this is not a joke, I had to mute the sound and put on the subtitles because the theme put me on edge. And again, I used to be a total puss. I don't even think I watched it with the sound on the entire time till I was like 19. Uh, David Cronenberg's Videodrome, which packs so many ideas into a slim 88-minute runtime, uh, a film that I'll definitely be discussing in a future OTM mini, so I shan't go much deeper than that. Uh, Paul Verhoeven's Robocop, one of the great American films that just so happens to be directed by a Dutchman, and Starship Troopers, one of the great adaptations of literature because it's a complete subversion of the source material. Uh, Joe Dante's Gremlins 2 The New Batch, easily in my top 20. George Miller's Mad Max Fury Road, unbelievable that a man in his 70s could make something so potent and propulsive. And uh, James Whale's Bride of Frankenstein, my favorite monster movie and one of the greatest motion pictures of the early sound era. Next up, quote, what movies have the most emotional response from you, unquote? Well, two immediately leap to mind. Uh, the first being the Disney animated version of Robin Hood from 1973, which always fills me with profound joy and profound sadness, and I can never explain the latter. It's just, it's a gut reaction. There's this ineffable sense of melancholy, that permeates the entire film, and it's one of those shaggy 70s artifacts, made stranger by the fact that it retains characters from the Jungle Book as if they're a community theater repertory troupe that just so happens to be putting on a production of The Adventures of Robin Hood. It's one of the strangest films ever made in that there's actually continuity between both films, but you know what, just go watch it. It's on Disney+. Plus. You already paid for Disney+, Plus. just go watch it. And of course, Toy Story 3. When the toys are in the incinerator and begin to hold hands as they drift toward oblivion and certain death, I start bawling uncontrollably. Then, uh, they're rescued and I get lulled into a false sense of emotional security until Andy gives the toys away to Bonnie. And it's a moment of Pixar releasing their ownership of these characters and giving them to the world, acknowledging that they mean just as much to kids and, frankly, adults as they do to the company. Next up, quote, Would you say you spend more time streaming or watching remastered DVDs and Blu-rays? Unquote. Well, I've recently become the owner of a 4K player, which basically means gradually replacing all of my lousy, ordinary Blu-rays for ultra-high definition, and just luxuriating in the textures of film grain. So I watch those with great frequency, uh, trying to find titles that I've never seen before. But I've also been a Criterion Channel subscriber for almost two years, and a regular viewer of the Watch TCM app for just as long, and I watch both quite frequently, usually during workdays, because I can relocate my Apple TV downstairs where I do my work and have them on in the background. If I'm comparing the two, I think I ultimately spend more time streaming those two, but I treasure physical media above all, hence this goddamn podcast. Next up, quote, 
What movie or TV show did a good job of helping you find your inner voice and touched you emotionally, socially, and politically? Unquote. Most importantly, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, my affection for which has dampened some since Joss Whedon revealed himself to be a creep, but it was the show that inspired me to write my own unproduced teleplays, so formative to my teenage identity that I, I can't deny it. I have a terrible memory, especially lately, for reasons that I don't fully understand, although I have my theories, none of which are pleasant, but I can picture so many episodes and moments in my mind's eye. I have practically every moment of the body imprinted on my subconscious. Same goes for Once More with Feeling and Restless and Hush. I haven't seen the show in about a decade, so maybe I'm due for a rewatch. But maybe I want to keep my memories and resist possibly clouding them. I would also put the aforementioned Robin Hood in this category. And most importantly, uh, this is going to sound weird, but Pee-wee's Big Adventure. I rediscovered that film in my first year of college after basically losing all my friends because in high school, I was a, I was a complete monster. Although it never dawned on me until I had nothing. And I eventually learned that I was undiagnosed bipolar and realized my history of abuse, which is not an excuse by any means. But Pee-wee was important because I took special notice of the way that he treats everyone in the film. Every person he comes across during his trek to the Alamo enters the film in one way and emerges on the other end a little more fulfilled. He does his best to help everyone, no matter where they are emotionally or socially, uh, most notably when he pretends to be Mickey the Jailbird's wife when their car is stopped by the cops, a person he's just met, because it they seem like a good person in a bad situation. And the climactic scene where he re-encounters everyone and brings each of them personalized concessions makes me very emotional. I honestly, I think that we could all learn to approach life and our fellow humans the way that Pee Wee Herman does, and it only gets more profound for me every time I watch it. Next up, quote, What is your favorite movie, unquote? Well, I've covered this question several times, most recently on an episode of Reels of Justice, but without a doubt, it's The Empire Strikes Back. I discovered the first Star Wars on a Spanish-dubbed VHS, and again, I don't, I don't speak Spanish, uh, only for my dad to take me to see the special edition when it came out in 1997, and the series became an instant obsession for me. Best exemplified by my wanting to be Han Solo for Halloween that year, with my mom taking me to a thrift store to pick out the outfit and finding the proper vest. This had to be around August, but I spent the next three months wearing that vest to school every single day. The month after seeing Star Wars, my dad took me to Empire, which I didn't like because I thought it was boring. My movie at the time was Return of the Jedi. But a couple of months later, when my parents gave me the letterboxed VHS trilogy for Christmas, if I'm remembering things properly, I found myself watching Empire the most. There's something about the whole dark sequel phenomenon 
that really stuck with me and made a real impact. Uh, hence my love for the likes of Back to the Future Part 2, as I've explained in a past recommendation. Also, it being a middle chapter was inherently interesting to me. It got me thinking about narrative in a way that was highly influential, and it inspired me to seek out the works of everyone involved, right down the rabbit hole, from Lawrence Kasdan to, most importantly, Lee Brackett, you know, Rio Bravo, The Long Goodbye, The Big Sleep, three masterpieces that helped secure my love of cinema. And finally, quote, how important is historical accuracy in film? Unquote. Ooh, I like this one. Uh, recently on Reels of Justice, we tackled The Last Samurai, and a good deal of the prosecutor's case hinged on its lack of historical accuracy. But being someone who didn't live in samurai times and knew nothing about the culture, I could only judge it as a film. And in thinking about it further, I didn't really care that it wasn't accurate, you know, profoundly so, and that has colored my approach to other films as well. As long as it feels like it makes sense, I say go for it. You're not making a documentary, you just need that illusion of verisimilitude. The only time I waver on that opinion concerns recreations of actual history, meaning involving real people, where I tend to get annoyed when someone strays from events, like when I saw Michael Mann's Public Enemies after reading the book that it was based on, simply because the events that actually transpired didn't need any narrative juicing up, the truth was more compelling than fiction, but Michael Mann didn't seem to agree. And you have movies like The Informant, which plays like a wacky comedy, but sticks pretty faithfully to the true story, or Goodfellas, which almost transposes the book word for word with surprisingly little deviation. These are rare cases where I'm intimately familiar with the source material, but if I'm not, it doesn't really tend to bother me. So, to finally answer your question, occasionally important on a case-by-case -case basis. You're welcome. That'll have to do it for now. Stay tuned for a full-blown episode next week, and two weeks from now, we continue the odyssey known as OTM Mini. Don't forget to check us out on these social medias at One Track Mind Podcast on X, one that is the numeral one Track Mind Podcast on Instagram, one Track Mind on Blue Sky, we're on Facebook and Podchaser, or send an email for perhaps a future Q&A at OneTrackMindPodcast at gmail.com. See you soon. Dawn, that's the end.